is up everybody welcome back to another episode of murph and the mage with tino rodriguez so we continue our dog days of summer series previewing the las vegas raiders with us today we have nicolette rojo nicolette how you doing today i'm good how are you guys thank you for having me join you guys we're doing well. Thank you. Uh, we really appreciate you doing this. We were surprised that there were still many Raiders fans out there. So, Oakland Raiders fans. Oakland Raiders fans. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, Nicolette, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you? Yeah, so you guys can follow me on Twitter at N-I-C-R-O-J-O-242. The N and the R are uppercase. And then if you want to hit me up on Instagram, it is N-Rojo, all lowercase, 5. And Facebook name, if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn for professional reasons, just my name. Perfect. And you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Murph and the Mage. You can find me on Twitter at the Mage underscore NFL. You can find my co-host Murph at One Murph Blue. And my co-host Tino at Tino Rodriguez, double underscore at the end. So, you ready to get started, Nicolette? Let's do this. All right, let's talk about the exciting... Oakland Raiders. <laughs> so the Oakland Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders, Nicolette likes to refer to them as Oakland. Uh, but Nicolette, thanks for coming on. Uh, typically we jump into the coaching scenario with teams here, but uh, mm-hmm. since your coach is locked in for 18 centuries, um, we're going to jump right into the quarterback position mm-hmm. and Mr. Derek Carr himself. And, uh, you know, it's been interesting adding Mr. Marcus Mariota to the mix. So what's going on there? How are we feeling about Derek Carr? Honestly, as a whole, I'm still on Derek Carr's side as a whole. Really because going off of last year, he went another 1,000-yard season, or excuse me, over 4,000 yards, 21 touchdowns. He only lost eight interceptions, which is the second lowest in his career. So I do give him the benefit of doubt. Plus, he was dealing with a lot of injured players and butterfingers, and that's always a pain in the butt as a quarterback. Now, I will say this. I'm not pro Derek Carr, 100% all the marbles in, but I'm also not, quote-unquote, anti him just because when you're a quarterback, it's going to be his seventh season. He's already, prior to Coach Gruden, he had a, literally a different coach every single season, and that's a pain in the butt that's not going to be any beneficial even for someone like Tom Brady. But if his players, if his team stays healthy, he has no excuse. Yes, the schedule is going to be a little bit rough. Not as hard as last year's, but especially with the travel times and who knows how that's even going to be with COVID-19. But as long as Derek Carr can show that that confidence and him and Coach Gruden still need to be on the same page, it's not benefit. It's painful, not only as a as an NFL fan, recognizing these plays, but even let alone a Raiders fan, where it's only third and example eight, third and seven, still doable, and or if it's a third and long, and they're in the game, it's not too close to halftime. They just settle for a checkdown throw all the time, and that annoys me, and I know that annoys a lot of Raider fans as well. But as far as Marcus Mariota, I think that's a smart decision. Some will say they overpaid him a little bit. I do kind of agree. However, Mariota still has a lot of gas in him. I feel over at Tennessee, yes, of course, he got beat out. But 
at the same time, I don't think his talent was utilized a whole lot. Bringing someone in who is still fresh, not a, still a veteran, but not washed, quote unquote, washed out, will give him that, will give Carr that edge like, hey, it's not 100% guaranteed anymore. It lights a fire really up his butt. So I think the front office, Mike Mayick and Gruden bringing in Mariota was pretty smart. And worst comes to worst, car gets hurt or the car has to be par, the car shuts down somehow. You can bring Mariota in and you could do some run options. They do like to do that. So it's an, it'll be an interesting year. Well, if there's one coach that could get anything out of a quarterback, it's probably John Gruden. Yeah. So with that being said, who's the quarterback next year or even two years from now? Do you think that he sticks with Derek Carr or do you think that Mariota was brought in, highly paid, to eventually take over that starting quarterback position? Yeah, I think it all comes down to really how this season plays out. If Carr, because Carr, as NFL fans know, has signed a very long extension, just under $25 million a year. So essentially, if he does get paid, he has to obviously do well. That's a lot of money for a starting quarterback. And to sit someone out for almost $25 million, just a few million on a Pat from Holmes new deal. Definitely got to start him. You got to do something with them. But again, like I said, this is a good test to see if one, will he be clutch? Because he was not the same. His confidence needs to be back up because I've noticed that I don't think I'm the only one, but I've definitely noticed since that gruesome injury on Christmas Eve in 2016 or the week of Christmas, I should say, his confidence has gone really down. And, of course, leg injuries suffer any player, let alone QB, is very detrimental. However, if I will say this, if he does not do well, assuming everyone stays healthy, of course, if no one stays healthy, then you can't – it's not fair to blame a quarterback. Not even someone like Breeze or Brady can do that extremely well with so many injuries. However, if everyone's healthy and Rudum lets him open the playbook – because Carr has shown that he can throw the ball. But if he doesn't execute, especially a season like this, first year in Vegas, all this pressure on him, I think he's got to go straight up. Another year, give him a year, maybe two tops. And if he doesn't execute, everyone's healthy, everyone's on the same page because they are still a new team. They did bring in Henry Ruggs as a potential new number one future, maybe even immediate threat then he's got to go. Mariota, again, that's still a lot of money. It's giving him that much money, almost 15 million, I would say 15, 16 million for one year is definitely a lot. But I think by the front office deciding from a business standpoint, deciding to do that, they're saying, okay, he still has a lot left in the gas tank. And that also pushes Mariota, who only has one year to prove himself, to get him that edge. And who knows, they may even play something they've done a lot I've seen them in their playbook do quite a few trick plays especially towards the end and who knows they could with Mariota's legs still fresh they could do something what New Orleans does with Taysom Hill so So. now you seem relatively confident with your two quarterbacks you mentioned Mm -hmm. rugs a little bit how do you feel those offensive weapons around your quarterbacks in terms of the young assets, I should say. Do you feel Henry Ruggs is worth that first-round pick? You obviously have a young, dynamic running back in Josh Jacobs. I think he should have been the rookie of the year. 
Did you feel the same way? Do you feel that there is a young core in this Raiders team that could potentially carry you guys for the years to come? I would say definitely yes. The short term, it's still definitely early. Josh Jacobs killed his rookie season. I do agree, not just as a Raider fan, but just as an NFL fan standpoint or analysis standpoint that he should have won Offensive Rookie of the Year. Carrying, he literally carried the Raiders team when everyone was injured. And as far as the receiving core, I was a little shocked at first when the Raiders chose Ruggs because I personally wanted Jared Judy. And not, I mean, regardless, you had three receivers at the top right at their at that draft spot so I they couldn't miss the book right there with picking a receiver um as far as Henry Ruggs himself I started realizing of course I went on my social media I saw everyone trashing him like saying what are you doing why are you picking you had Judy you have xyz and yes they did we have cd lamb which I expected cd lamb because they were very sold on him they were scouting him a whole lot Judy not so much. Judy's more of a slot guy. And with Ruggs, I think what they're trying to push for is having another Tyreek Hill, which that's a long shot because Tyreek Hill is, is the fastest guy in the league, and he's, he's a killer for Patrick Mahomes for a reason. Um, for Henry Ruggs, it's still early, but his stats definitely show that he could do the job from Alabama. Just under 100 receptions, 1,700 yards, and 24 touchdowns averaging 17 yards per reception. That's incredible, especially coming from a, co- a college and a very hard conference, SEC conference, where they don't have a lot of, where they have a lot of talent and coming from a school that's not really, I guess, prime known for prime QBs, more of the receivers or you can arguably say DB university. Um, as far as, Going back to the core, they're still very young, so I don't really expect the Raiders to go to Super Bowl or kill in the playoffs. They're still, offensively, they're still very young. They do have some good veterans inside to help lead them, but that's why you sign veterans to help guide and lead your players, your younger players, mentor them in the locker room on the field. You can do so much on the field, but if you have not-so-great mentors, inside a locker room that's a big impact in sports as well they have hunter renfro and they have blows and they have tice tyron williams tyrell sorry tyrell williams he's a little bit more of a veteran guy second he's more of a second number two receiver so that's still up in the air they have nelson aguilar from the philadelphia eagles zay jones so they still have a young core that I do feel confident that over time they will get better if they stay put, everyone's healthy. Right now, it's a little early, though. So us three are pretty big fantasy players, and we love to play dynasty football and all that. And Mm -hmm. we've all had a really hard time valuing the receiving core for Mm -hmm. the Raiders. Um, And at the end of the day, is Darren Waller your wide receiver one? That's a question definitely coming into the season. I definitely saw that. And at this point, pretty much, even though the irony is that he is a tight end, Darren Waller was more of a reserve role with both with Baltimore. And his, sec- his first season, this is going to be his third season with, I'll say, Oakland, Las Vegas. <laughs> and he's emerged as 
he got snubbed of the Pro Bowl, but the AFC also has a lot of talent in the tight end spot. But to be fair, however, he's definitely going to be another big target. Just 2019 alone, started all 16 games. He was five yards, which he was just under 1,200 yards. And he scored three touchdowns, which on paper doesn't sound the brightest, but he has shown that he's very he's very strong. He can block. He's, he's a decent run blocker. He's decent in the passing game. But he runs his routes literally just like a wide receiver. So I expect him to have another big year. Definitely, if you're talking fantasy-wise, definitely draft him. He's I could I would say ideally he's still going to be quote unquote that number one receiver until they do some, until the Raiders pick it up and the receiver the young receiving core and they experiment what they're going to do with their receiving with the receivers. So you guys had the Antonio Brown type of wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And Hunter Renfro is actually proving to be a steal, mm-hmm. and he came up big. So just do me a favor, knock on wood if you're with me. All right, all right, there we go. <laughs> so let me just jump in and switch from offense to defense, and mm-hmm. not anything in particular to do with your current roster, but I guess some pieces would be on your current roster still. And I'm talking about the Khalil Mack trade. How do you feel mm-hmm. about that as a fan? Are you over it yet? Does it still hurt? Obviously, you didn't have as dominant of a year last year, but two years ago, you guys weren't looking like the smartest uh, organization. Yeah, definitely. I When I first heard of that and I first saw that notification on my phone, I was like, what in the world did y'all do? Because you like, how do you trade a generational talent, arguably that's just as amazing as Lawrence Taylor, and bam, that's it. I was one of those fans also who was like, why did you just give him the extension? Why did you get over Derek Carr? Nothing against Derek Carr, but he hasn't, he hasn't been as dominant. And so far, especially after signing that big deal, he hasn't really proved a whole lot that he's worth of that extension. Khalil Mack is a once-in-a-lifetime player. But then over, but then we're going to almost two years since it happened. He didn't have his as you mentioned, Tito has, Tino has a dominant year as he did last year. But at the same time, what I've noticed about the Chicago Bears, I have a family friend who is a Dyer Bears fan. So he was bragging about me. He was mentioning 1985 Bears and everything. I'm like, yeah, yeah they're, the Bears have a solid defense. Offensively, that's, that's another story. But I think it also is different. We'll, we'll start to see how it is the second season with the Bears but as far as what I've noticed from the first season from Mac was people at least from the Raiders game I was really impressed of how they were on him so much the, the offensive line just pushed him so much and he barely touched car he barely touched the QB spot and that was fantastic I think it also helps opposing team ironically opposing teams when they're when you have other guys like you have a Danny Trevathan, you have other big pieces compared to when he was with Oakland at the time. They didn't have as much of a solid defense. So it's still not taking away from Mac himself, but it's a little bit more harder to 
they'll label him on paper as an all pro because they have so many other pieces. For so do you Chicago. think? So do you think that the Raiders lost the trade? I think for now it's still honestly a little early. Of course, they did get Josh Jacobs out of it, so and I think that part is a win. As far as the other three, they got Damon Arnett, which I felt was a little bit of a reach, but he did really well. He did really well at the Ohio that the Ohio State. So I'm excited to see what he's up to. Um, they also got Byron did Arnett Bryant. play at all last year? He yeah. Did he get hurt at all? He did. I remember he did get injured. I believe it was his hand or his wrist, but Scott yeah, that's right. I remember that. He played I, 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 I was jealous when y'all took him because that was steel, man. He's a good slot corner. Mm-hmm. He'll be good. And they got Brian Edwards out of USC. Not US, not fight on, but South Carolina. And they got Bless him Austin, who's, again, a raw talent. So they've got some very good picks. And then as for the Bears, they got Cole Kemp, Kempt out of Notre Dame, who could be a potential Kyle Rudolph again it's still very early I still think as of right now today the Bears won just because they caught Khalil Mack but at the same time I the Raiders as for the Raiders it's still early to tell from just on the picks alone but what I do think is a win for somewhat of a small W for the Raiders is if the, from a business side because I like to analyze business deals too had they signed Khalil Mack it's about long extension. I don't think it wouldn't be impossible, but it would be a lot harder to get the pieces that they have today. I would doubt, I mean, not that I highly doubt, but it would have been harder to get someone like Littleton or um, these other players that they've gotten. So it's That's still fair. a little early. It's a little early. It's tough to assemble a roster when one player yeah. makes up so much of it or accounts for so much of the salary cap. Yeah, I agree. exactly. All right, Nicolette, are you ready to give us your win-loss predictions? We'll run down the schedule and then yeah. tell us whether it's a win or loss. Yeah. All right, you ready to go? Yep. All right, week one at the Carolina Panthers. I would give them a win for that, but barely. Okay. Week two, a Monday night game, midday for you, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Home versus the New Orleans Saints. I would say a loss. Drew Brees is just too much. It's touch. Michael Thomas, yeah, loss. All right. Week three at the Cam Newton-led New England Patriots. Foxborough, I will give them a win, but barely. All right, yeah, you didn't sound too confident in that. Yeah, so. barely. All right, week four, home versus the Buffalo Bills. They, were, they played awful against the Bills last time, and they were hurt, since, so – as, until they can prove they're great at defense and can control, contain Josh Allen, and he has better talent in the receiving core now. So I'm going to put that as a loss for the Raiders. All right. Week five at Arrowhead versus the $500 million quarterback. Loss. Very wow. hard to win at Arrowhead. Uh, week six is your bye week. Hopefully win. <laughs> <laughs> Week seven, home versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is a Sunday night game as well. Loss, Tom Brady, Gronk, Mike Evans. Yeah. All right. Week eight at the Odell Beckham-led Cleveland Browns. 
I have faith in the Raiders. I think they can contain them. I'll give them a win. Raiders, uh, the Raiders played really well last year, so there were a couple of close games, mm-hmm. and then some games that they just got completely destroyed in. But mm-hmm. Week nine at the Los Angeles Chargers. When there'll be more fans, assuming there are fans, but there'll be more usually more fans for Las Vegas, anyways. When? All right. Week ten, home versus the Denver Broncos. They usually do pretty well at home against them, so I'll give them a win. All right. Week 11, Sunday night, home versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Another loss, but it'll be closer. Week 12 at the Atlanta Falcons. I think they will be – I think they'll barely win. I think they have a shot. All right. Week 13 at the New York Jets. I'm probably going to get some heat for this, but loss, just because they always find a way to choke against the Jets somehow. <laughs> Uh, week 14, home versus the Indianapolis Colts. Familiar face in Phillip Rivers. Oh, man. <laughs> I will give them a close win just because they if, – if by then they'll have – assuming they're healthy, they'll have more experience in the belt, and they're very familiar with Phillip Rivers. Week 15, home Thursday night versus the Los Angeles Chargers. Win. Week 16, home versus the Miami Dolphins. I think they can handle Tua at home, so a win. All right. And to close out the schedule, you got week 17 at the Denver Broncos. Mile high is also pretty hard to win, so that's a loss most likely. All right. Mr. Murph, what do we have, Matt? Nine and seven for the Oakland Las Vegas Raiders. Was that premeditated or no? Yes and no. I originally had them as either as most realistic case at eight and eight, maybe even a seven and nine. But at best, I don't see them getting more than nine wins at their best. Yeah, I think nine and seven is a good spot for them. So all depends how season goes, how they play. But yeah, I mean, obviously. Mm -hmm. So tough division, but the Raiders are definitely on the up and up. But it's it's really going to come down to Carr for me. Yeah. They've put the, the quarterback up his ass to kind of be like, yo, you, this is not your job to to keep. You know, well, it is his job to keep. But, yeah, that's it comes down to car for me. Murph is a big fan of competition, so he believes that everybody needs to earn their spot on the roster. So I think that's what Murph was trying to say with the Mariota edition. But who do you think is your biggest competition in the uh, West besides the Kansas City Chiefs? I would say Denver. Drew Locke is up yeah. and coming. So. That's a cool one. Yeah, a lot of fan favorites this year for Denver. So, All right. Nicolette, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate you doing this. It was a pleasure having you on. Why don't you go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you again? Yeah, so thank you guys so much for having me on again. You can find me on my Twitter at capital N-I-C, capital R-O-J-O, and number 242. You can find me on Instagram at lowercase n. Rojo, all lowercase, number five. Facebook, my name, Nicola Rojo. And if you want to be professional-wise, LinkedIn. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Nicolette Rojo as well. Nicolette, thank you again for doing this. Appreciate it. That's going to wrap up our preview of the Las Vegas Raiders. So transitioning over to the Los Angeles Chargers, we have Abe Salinas with us. Abe, what's going on, brother? How are you? 
Hey man, it's, it's going good. I'm having a good summer. And I want to thank you guys for bringing me on. You know, I don't get a lot of people asking me, you know, come talk about the Chargers. <laughs> so I was thrilled with the opportunity. Yeah, man. I mean, this has been a long time coming between you and I. We've been connected on Twitter for quite some time. We've had our debates back and forth. You know, and I love it too, because I feel like every time I meet a Giants fan, like we're connected just historically. One of my best friends, Patrick, is a Giants fan. So I have a lot of love for Big Blue. So, um, you know, I feel connected with the uh, Giants fan base. And um, definitely, I mean, it shook up the entire trajectory of the NFL, like what, the last 16 years since it happened. Um, and I really, the story is interesting, right? Because the manager of the, the general manager of the Giants, uh, Ernie uh, Corsi, I believe is his name. Um, you know, he took a big gamble, not really knowing if he would have a, you know, be able to trade for Eli after, you know, he found out that the Chargers were actually going to take him. Um, that whole thing's kind of weird. But, you know, Eli is a good good guy because he never once put the, the you know, everything on Archie Wright that, oh, you know, dad made me do it. He took that all and owned up for it. So um, one of the weirdest things I think we've ever seen there. And I'm not sure we'll ever get a story like that again. But um, well, I'm not old enough to remember when John Elway de demanded uh, not to go to the Indianapolis Colts. So, you know, but he, that pretty much the whole Eli Manning situation is the same thing that Elway pulled to go to the Broncos. And it really did change the landscape. Right. I mean, the Chargers got a whole boatload of picks and everything else. But before we go any further, though, because let's we'll get into that. Why don't you go ahead and tell people where they can find you a little bit about what you're working on, what you do? Yeah. Okay. So my handle is uh, Abe the Ape 38. Um, that's a really great story how I got that nickname. If you ever want to find out, just hit me up. Um, so that's what it is. I go by Fantasy Foucault. Um, that's my uh, fantasy alias. And I'll, so I, I'm a graduate student, University of Texas, Arlington, getting my master's degree. And um, so the name is actually from a French philosopher named Michel Foucault, who's kind of a jack of all spades with um, philosophy. He kind of combines history and anthropology and um, just all kinds of stuff. So whenever I was making this Twitter about three years ago, I just I was thinking of something clever with alliteration. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm a philosopher and I love Foucault, you know, not fantasy Foucault. So that's kind of how I got there. And um, you know, I enjoy, I enjoy the gig. <laughs> so that's a little bit about me, you know, and, uh, so I like fantasy a lot and I, I kind of do a little bit something different by um, applying kind of a social political lens on the fantasy landscape right now. Just to give you an example, I'm writing a piece on um, fantasy football and feminism and that's what I'm going to call it, fantasy football feminism. So I kind of like to do these kinds of social political work with, um, you know, applying that onto fantasy Football. I think it's cool. I don't think a lot of people are doing it, minus and minus other academics, right out there. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about me. Well, if you ever have any spare time, uh, my partner or co-host over here could use some English lessons. So <laughs> uh, I could learn some stuff about feminism too, as long as it's about females, right? <laughs> well, uh, that's kind of against the uh, the feminist praxis that I'm. Thinking. Oh, I didn't say anything about the femi feminist praxis. So just just females, <laughs> female brain. That's it, Mark. Back to the closet you go. Yeah, back to my fucking hole. So you know what? So you already alluded to this. So let's kick it off, right? So let's talk about 
Uh, Eli Manning versus Phillip Rivers. You and I have had some exchanges about this. We'll keep it brief for uh, time restraints, but go ahead, man. The floor is yours. Yeah, so um, there's always going to be the debate, right, with that three-quarterback uh, class between Rivers, um, Manning, and Big Ben, right? And I think it's obvious that um, who I mean, they're all very good quarterbacks, you know, but Eli and, and Ben have the Super Bowl rings, right? So I think it, statistically speaking, um, I think Rivers obviously has a, a much kind of a leg up on Eli, right? Eli's kind of had a – a lot of turnovers, I think uh, 244 career interceptions, right? 366 uh, touchdowns there. Rivers is at, uh, what is it, 398, um, 397 touchdowns, 198 interceptions, right? But, you know, football is, you know, the rings a thing, right? Um, kind of a little um, overshadowed there. I think it's kind of a little overplayed, but. Um, so, Abe, let me interject and let me ask you a question then. So, would you have preferred to have Eli Manning in the two Super Bowls as opposed to the stats that Rivers has? Oh, man. Man, you put me on the spot there. I mean, obviously, any fan wants a Super Bowl, right? To kind of, to kind of cheat, I would rather have the two Super Bowls with Rivers than two Not Super an Bowls. option. Not an okay. option. Okay. Um, are we going off everything we know right now? Like career based on everything that you, you know, right now, would you rather, and again, in the New York media loves to do this, right? So it, the question is, would you give up three Mets world series for one giant super bowl? See, it's a tough one for me because I've experienced four giant super bowls. I've never experienced a Mets world series win. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, that's kind of the tough part. I, I know I see you shaking your head, Murph, but, the 86, though. He ain't giving up any giant Super Bowls for anything. But you know what? But because of my love of football, I think I would trade three Mets World Series for one Super Bowl. I would trade all my sports teams' championships for giant Super Bowls every single time. So, again, I mean, coming back to it, yeah, Rivers has great statistics, but that hasn't done anything for you as a fan or the fan base. Right. Wouldn't you have rather experienced what it would be like to, to host – a victory parade for a Super Bowl champion, San Diego Chargers at the time? So you're saying would I rather have Eli in the two rings, like Eli is a charger in the two rings? Yes. Man, uh, I've really – I've grown so attached to Phillip, man. I know, you know, this is not going to be a popular answer, but I don't think I would trade it because, like – True fan. True Chargers fan. Thank you, yeah, because it's part of my history, right? And, you know, I just can't really picture Eli as a, in, a, in a Bolt uniform, honestly. And um, so, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go the hard way. You know, I'm, I'm going to stick with Rivers because he's done – he hasn't gotten us the ring, right? But he's just – he's been with – so loyal to the team. Um, and so that's part of how I grew up as a Chargers fan. You know, Chargers fans before me, they have Dan Fouts, right? Well, Rivers is my guy, so I'm going to stick by him. And um, it's all led us to where we're at now in the new era with uh, Justin Herbert coming in. So, At the end of the day, you know, you got Eli and you got Philip for how many X amount of years? Two phenomenal people, two phenomenal athletes, part of a historic piece of all of sports. Um, I mean, I don't think either one of them honestly could have done any – Think differently you know Rivers might have not gotten a ring but he had the longevity um, he is the Chargers that's all that 
modern day Chargers fans know. So one interesting thing about that 2004 NFL draft that people don't realize is had the Giants not worked out a trade with the San Diego Chargers is that the Giants would have taken Ben Roethlisberger at four, not Phillip Rivers. And uh, they have even said this is that they were targeting Ben Roethlisberger. So again, the interesting thing is, in my opinion, from a Giants standpoint, though, is I don't know if we still get two Super Bowls with Ben Roethlisberger, though. So I think it has to be the right place at the right time because, let's face it, that first Super Bowl win by Ben Roethlisberger, I mean, I think he posted one of the worst quarterback ratings of all time in Super Bowl history. If you remember, Antoine Randall had to throw a touchdown pass that game because Ben Roethlisberger couldn't. So, I mean, that was absolutely atrocious, that first Super Bowl. He did not play well at all. And that's the interesting thing, too, is because, of course, he he even came out and said, I think we would have been fine with Big Ben. And he did take a very big risk um, because he didn't know if he was going to pull off the trade with the Chargers, right? But he got – he knew that the Chargers preferred Rivers over Big Ben. So, I mean, that's a huge gamble that he took, and it, it paid off. For the Giants, of course, right? And we got we got um, a third round pick that year in 2004. We we used on Nate Kading, the kicker, who was he was good for us up until the last you know end of the career. He blew that Jets game in 2009 in the playoffs, three missed field goals. That was just a disaster. But then we got a 2005 first round pick. In addition, we got Sean Merriman through that. He did a lot for the team too. Um, so I mean, we got our guy right. You got your guys. You got the two Super Bowl rings. So. Um, obviously I think it worked out for the Giants, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, me and Mace aren't complaining at all, but from the Chargers' perspective, you still got to held the quarterback for a long run. And I know for a fact, because me and Mace as Giants fans had this in the back of our mind, you guys have been obviously waiting for a couple of years to figure out what's going to happen after Phil's departure. So how are you feeling about Justin Herbert? Obviously, Tyrod Taylor's in the mix as well. Um, how long do you think we'll see Tyrod and what's in the future for Justin? Yeah, so that's a, that's a good question because when we were looking at kind of um, what we were going to do there, right, there was a lot of speculation if we would go after Cam Newton and stuff. But I actually like that we're um, going with Tyrod because, you know, he's familiar with Anthony Lynn when they were both together in Buffalo, right? So I really like that connection, and it just shows our conviction and the kind of player Tyrod is. I think he's going to do well in our system. And um, Anthony Lynn's already talked about, you know, how he's kind of catering that offense to Tyrod. And we're going to – I think we're going to be fairly uh, pretty run-heavy, right? Tyrod excels in the in the uh, play action, in the little uh, – run bootleg play actions. So I'm excited to see what the offense is going to look like, right? We're not going to throw the ball 30 times a game like we did with uh, Rivers. So um, I have a lot of hopes for Tyrod. Now, I mean, it's it's pretty apparent he's a bridge quarterback, right? And um, Herbert's our future. I mean, we took, took him at six overall. As far as Herbert, I'm excited for him. Now, um, I don't know if I should say this, but I have, you know, I, I like Tua a lot. I was really hoping the Giants would take Herbert. We would get Tua. But really, I'm, I'm really happy with Herbert. Um, Tom Telesco has been talking him up. The coaching staff has been talking up Herbert. Um, I watched a few, you know, not a ton of Herbert in college. You know, that was more after the fact. Um, and one thing I like about Herbert is that 
I think he progressed throughout um, his career at Oregon. A lot of people will say that he didn't, right? But, I mean, 32 touchdowns, eight interceptions his senior year. Um, I, what I most like about him is his mental toughness. You know, he'll make mistakes and just go back out there with a cool head. Um, and that's kind of his demeanor. He's a quiet guy. He's not an outspoken guy, right, like Rivers. And there's something about that that I like, right? I mean, Eli was kind of the same way, very much so. So as from a Cardinal traits perspective, I mean, he's 6'6", 238, right, something like that, runs a 4'6", um, 840. So he's mobile. He's given us that dimension we did not have with Rivers. Um, I mean – Physically, he's a freak, I think. And so he's got a cannon arm. If you go back and look at his combine workout, he was hitting dimes in the deep ball, just not missing. There's been some talk about Justin Herbert's consistency. Yeah. Do you think that that's going to be an issue? Um, as a rookie, um, definitely. I think uh, any rookie is going to have a hard time transitioning. Well, you think he gets redshirted this year, though, right? See, that's a, that's a really tough question. Um, a little later when we do the win-loss predictions, I had to go with Tyrod. But – it's just kind of a toss-up. We're going to have to see how Tyrod does. I think Tyrod can keep the job all year. I think he can, absolutely. But at the same time, it's a new era. So if Tyrod falters, I think that our coaching staff and the brass has to make that move to Herbert because he's the face of our franchise. I mean, how many times have we seen a rookie um, be drafted and coaches you know, do the whole thing? Oh, he's going to be – bench the whole season we saw it with like Blake Bortles right it didn't take long for them to roll him out there so I wouldn't be surprised if Herbert comes out at some point in the season so you think for sure Tyrod is week one starter oh yeah I, I absolutely think so especially because it's um going against the Bengals right the Bengals even with Joe Burrow they're still not a good team not right now so I absolutely think Tyrod's going to be rolling out Trick those damn NFL schedulers out of that shit, man. They were looking for it to a Burrow showdown. What'd you say, week yeah. two? Um, between the Bengals and the uh, week the- one, week one. Oh, well, yeah, week one against the Bengals. Um, I mean, yeah, it would have been nice. If, it would have been cool to see right two versus uh, Burrow there. Um, and I and I wish it was uh, Burrow and Herbert for sure, but I, I'm. Pretty positive it's going to be uh, Tyrod, barring any injury, right? You know, I don't want anything like that to happen. But I agree with you. I think that the Chargers are going to come out with Tyrod Taylor, and he's and he's proven that he can be a starter in the NFL. What kind of starter? That's a whole nother thing. We haven't really seen full seasons out of him, but he does provide that little bit of a spark, though, too. All right, so I do have a question to ask you, Abe, and you know that you're involved in fantasy. I'm involved in fantasy here, so I got the Chargers guy on. Tell me about Joshua Kelly. Should I be excited about him or not? We already know what Eckler brings to the table. Yeah, so I would, from a dynasty perspective, I would I would be excited for him, right? Um, I, I'm not so sure how much he'll be a part of the game plan this, this year, right? Because we saw from the sample size last season that Eckler really can be a workhorse for, for our team. So I think we're going to roll out with Eckler. But at the same time, I think it was more of a need last season because – Justin Jackson, I mean, he's really, you know, he's not it, right? So um, I think that it'll be a more balanced approach. Like I said, I'm not really sure how much we're going to be utilizing Kelly this year. I would kind of guesstimate maybe like uh, 8 to 12 carries a game. I I just really think Eckler, that's Eckler's job, honestly. So um, now, obviously, if there's any injury were to happen, 
Joshua Kelly is going to rise up there immediately. But I could see Kelly as kind of like the short yardage grinder. I mean, he's a big guy. Um, he did well at UCLA, and he's a fourth-round pick, right? So we invested pretty good draft capital in him. And um, from what I've seen, I really like him. So I think he can make an impact. Uh, like I said, I'm not so sure about this year. I'm excited for him because in my um, – I'm only in two dynasty leagues, but in my um, – Second one on Sleeper, it was a three-round uh, rookie draft, uh, 12 teams, right? He did not get drafted. So I put in all my um, off-season free agency money on him um, because I wanted him at 3.6, which was my pick. I, I took Chase Claypool. I had to. You know, the, he's a second-round pick. He's just a free. But I was thrilled when he was still a free agent after the draft, and I want him in waivers. So I'm excited about Kelly. Um you know, especially, you know, because he's a charger, right? But I think he's talented. I think he's more uh, talented than Justin Jackson. So I think he can. Well, I think the other thing that um, Chargers fans and uh, fantasy players alike have to remember is that the Chargers rewarded Austin Eckler with a new contract this offseason. So he's going to be there for at least, I believe, the contract is for the next four years. I don't care what anyone says. He earned every damn dime. Yeah. All right, Abe, on to our next piece of business, the wide receiver group. Obviously, we got Keenan Allen and Mike Williams as the two locked-in starters there. How are you feeling about them, too, and what's after them? Well, so, um, I mean, I love Keenan. He's uh, obviously one of the premier route runners in the league. Um, doesn't have blazing speed, but he has really quick feet. So um that's a that's going to be really interesting to watch right what happens in their production now that um, Tyrod is the uh presumed starter right now right um so I mean we'll see Tyrod historically has been not bad with wide receivers right he had a uh, Sammy Watkins in Buffalo for those years he was there um so I mean I think I think it'll be okay I'm you know I'm hoping that Allen has upwards of, you know, 80 balls this year. Um, and it, it's, it's kind of muddy, right? It's hard to predict because we don't know if Tyrod's going to hold on a job the entire year, if we're going to put in Herbert. Um, as far as um, Mike Williams, that's what I really am intrigued with because I think that from a fantasy perspective, Mike Williams' uh, value is going to rise once Herbert takes the job full-time. Um, like I was mentioning earlier, earlier um, Herbert's deep ball – um, I really like it. I think it's it's not the best right now, but he has the arm, and I think that our coaching staff's going to really um, do their best to groom him. Um, so I completely trust uh, Tom Telesco's plan with Herbert. So I think Mike Williams has the most to um, gain from this transition to um, you know the Rivers to the Herbert area era right now. Um, with Tyrod, um, we'll see what happens because we've seen this past year that Mike Williams' specialty really is the deep ball. He broke 1,000 yards. He had 1,001 yards this season. Didn't have, like, the 10 touchdowns from last year, right? But um, he had more yardage this season with less targets and catches. So I think that's an area that we need to really focus on with uh, Mike Williams is just stretching the field. So I'm excited about Mike Williams. You know, everyone's kind of down on him because he hasn't, you know, exploded right the way everyone wants uh wide receivers to do in uh in dynasty right but um i still have faith in mike williams you know he's heading into his what fourth season we already ran the option on him so i think we have plans for mike williams now after that's where it gets kind of questionable we added two guys in the draft this season um joe reed 151st overall from virginia 
when we added um, KJ Hill, 220th overall from Ohio State. So I like both these guys. I think um, KJ Hill kind of intrigues me a little bit more. Um, he's six foot, a little under 200. So he's got the build, I think. I like what I saw out of him uh, in college. Um, but, you know, at the same time, we see so many of these wide receivers taken late, right, that just don't transition. So it's kind of a question mark. I, uh, Joe Reed can kind of do a little bit of everything with the uh, return game and stuff. So he's also something to watch. But um, Abe, so there is one safety out there that is a little disgruntled that's looking for a trade and he wants to be paid $18 million plus. Yeah. Fortunately for you, he's currently on the New York Jets. So you have who's probably arguably the best safety in the league. Tell us about Derwin James and a little bit about this defense uh, this season. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about our defense. Um, and, you know, we really missed Derwin last season, and it showed, right? Um, he was a big part of our uh, defense's rookie year. Um, just the fact that he fell 17th overall is just mind-blowing because there's two teams that desperately needed safety, the Raiders and the Packers. And um, – the Raiders took what Colton Miller and tackle and then Packers. I forget who they took, um, honestly, but it was, uh, it was, I mean, and it's funny because the entire month, like so many months leading up to that draft, everyone was saying Derwin to the chargers, Derwin to the chargers. And it happened, you know, that's who I wanted uh, from day one to fall to us. And uh, we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, but I, you know, Derwin is just kind of a, I think once in a lifetime talent, as far as DB, he can really do everything. He plays at the line of scrimmage. Um, he can cover. We could put him in the linebacker spot if we need to. He can play nickel. I mean, this guy is, uh, as far as a DB and just a defender, he really is a superior athlete. I mean, we saw it as early as his rookie season. And so um, I'm excited to get him back this season. I mean, we really need him. Um, so, I mean, that's my thoughts on Derwin. He's my next jersey I'm buying, and I can't wait because we got those new ones that came out, and they're just so sick. So the one thing, Abe, in IDP leagues is that I did actually have Derwin James in his rookie season, and it paid huge dividends. Yeah. And he went down so early last year too, man. Yeah. But Derwin James is that monster, and he can certainly play in the box. He can do it all. And we also heard a lot about that too, Murph in terms of Xavier McKinney, almost kind of fit in that same type of mold as Derwin James, not as good. But, again, still being able to kind of do all that, be able to play down in the box, play safety, that versatility that he really brings. Derwin James really is a beast, and he hides a lot of inefficiencies in that, in that secondary as well. Yeah, well, so, I mean, I like McKinney. He runs a 4-6-40, right? So he doesn't have the blazing speed, but as far as, like, football IQ, I think he's going to contribute right away to the uh, Giants defense. Um, I will say coming out, I like him more than I did Landon Collins. So um, I think, yeah, I'm excited about McKinney. Um, I think he'll do well. Um, as far as similarities in the game with Derwin, I don't know. I don't know. I, um, I never really kind of paired, you know, compared them like that, right? All right, well, we're going to transition over to our next piece of our Dog Days of Summer series, sir. We're going to do a little win-loss prediction, rapid fire. Mage is going to read the team, and I'm going to tally it up, and we'll see what we get with Okay. All right, Abe, you ready to go? Oh, yeah, man, I'm ready. 
All right, let's go. Week one at Cincinnati. Okay, so just to be clear, I'm assuming this entire season is with Tyrod, okay, as the starter, just to make it clear. Week one, I'm going to say a win. All right. Week two, home versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, that's a that's an L. <laughs> week three, stay home versus the Carolina Panthers. I'm going to chalk that up as a win just because of the transition with Teddy with the Panthers. So I, I think we have a superior defense that can beat that offense, even with McCaffrey. So. All right. Week four, the Chargers head to Tampa Bay. Yeah. I think the ghost of uh, Brady comes back to haunt us and uh, beats us there. All right. Week five, Monday night game at New Orleans. Yeah. It's going to be an L. There's always a chip on uh, Bree's shoulder, right, when we play when he plays the Chargers. So, Yeah, that's for sure, too. I mean, and you talk about the Dolphins. The Dolphins can have botch at quarterback situation any more than they did. <laughs> uh, you're talking about Tua. You know, they had the option between Breeze and Culpepper, and they went with Culpepper. And the rest is history for the Saints. Yeah. Week six, home versus the New York Jets. I'm going to do that as a W. Might as well be a bye week. Uh, <laughs> week seven at Miami. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the W. And honestly, I'm hoping by then Herbert's starting. That would be great to see Tua versus Herbert. I'm gonna go with the W regardless. That's if Tua even starts this year too. We that remains to be seen since they got Ryan Fitzpatrick there still. Whether or not they want to hold out Tua and be uh, cautious about that. That's a good point. Uh, week eight, home versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm going to go with a W, mainly because I still have a lot of questions with Minshew. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to go with a W there. Week nine, home versus the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm going to give this one to the Las Vegas Raiders. Week 10, bye week. Week 11, at Denver, mile high. Yeah, I think uh, we're going to – I think we're going to take an L in that game, too. It's, it's a tough place to play in Denver. That's for sure, especially coming from the West Coast. That acclimation is going to be tough. Absolutely. Week 12 at Buffalo. So I'm, I'm going with a W here. Um, I feel confident that we can handle Josh Allen on the defense. So, And, uh, you know, Tyrod, assuming Tyrod's a starter, right, I think he's going he's gonna to want to get that W for us. Week 13, home versus the New England Patriots. I think that's going to be a W. Um, you know, we, they got a young quarterback in Stidham, assuming he starts right over Hoyer. But I think that that entire New England team is going to be very, very different. So I feel confident we can handle New England. Again, a lot remains to be seen with the New England Patriots. Which came first? Yeah, chicken or the egg? Was it Tom Brady or was it Bill Belichick? That's great. I like so, that. This will be the telltale season. So week 14, remain home versus the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, I got, I got to go with Atlanta and that uh, high-octane offense they got there with Brian and Ridley and Julio. So week 15, Thursday night game at Las Vegas. I'm going to go with a late comeback win for the Chargers because we have got to get this uh, monkey off our backs losing primetime games. So. I'm going to go with a W there. Week 16, home versus the Denver Broncos. 
I'm going to go with another L there. We got swept by Denver this season. Well, then, do you get swept in Week 17 by the defending Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City Chiefs? Yes. All right. Hard to picture us beating the Chiefs for, for a while. That team is uh, stacked. Murph, what's the final tally? Eight and eight, sir. Eight and eight. I know it's bold. Eight. I know it's bold. No. All the analysts have us like winning it. no more than four games. I like it. I like it. Well, I will tell you this. You were the first person to come on the dog days of summer to predict less than nine games for the team. And, you know, I try and come with an objective, uh, you know, point of view when I do stuff like this with win-loss, right? Um, but I, I think it's realistic that we can get eight wins this season. Any more? I'm not so sure. But um, it's definitely going to be a different year for the Chargers. And, uh, well, I'm excited, man. New stadium, new look, new quarterback. Um, so I think that we have a lot to prove. And I'm excited for this new era because, you know, it's, it's going to be a new chapter for me as a Chargers fan. And um, I'm excited to see where it is five, ten years from now. Yeah, man, that's it. That's how we feel about the Giants, too, with the uh, new rookie quarterback. And so you guys got Justin Herbert. Yeah. Uh, Austin Eckler is signed to a new contract there. So just got to make sure you got the right coaching staff in place. Uh, that's one thing I'm most excited about as a Giants fan is really I want to see a coaching staff this year. I mean, Joe Judge as a head coach, Jason Garrett as the offensive coordinator. Hell, we even got Freddie Kitchens as the tight end coach. Yeah, you know, so he's gonna bring he's gonna bring a lot of Southern twang or <laughs> to the uh, to the team. You know, so I'm really excited as well. So I, I think again, Giants and Chargers are both experiencing the same things around the same time. You guys lost your franchise quarterback this year. Granted, he's still playing just for a different team. Giants, Eli Manning retired this year. So both moving on with rookie quarterbacks. So that's really going to be interesting to see. So I think the comparisons continue possibly for the next 10 years or so. Yeah, and I, I have to talk up the Giants here. My hat's off to them for do a, a diligent search in their head coach. I don't think they settled. I think they really like Judge. I like Judge. He's, you know, he's got that Belichickian kind of coaching style, right? He doesn't like to talk about the team. You can tell he's a hard-nosed coach who's going to make every player in their spot. Another thing is um, Daniel Jones, man. I did not see that coming. I don't think a lot of people did, but I really – I like him a lot, man. I think – I Correction, no one did. Yeah. I'm going to be – right, market. I think Daniel Jones is going to be the best quarterback in the NFC East in the next two to three years. I think he's going to be better than Wentz and Dak. And uh, Dwayne, I mean, Dwayne Haskins, I'm, you know, but <laughs> not worried about him. But we, I really like. We him. love to hear it, man. We love to hear. <laughs> it. I like that you said that you think Daniel Jones is going to be the best quarterback in the NFC East for the next couple of years. I'm hoping that's longer than the three years the time frame that you said. Oh no, no, no. I'm but also by, too, I'm saying by then he will be. I'm not saying. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, and also too, man. I'm telling you, I'm also buying up Daniel Jones in. Uh, Super flex in two quarterback leagues this year, too. I think that he's really going to put up some numbers. He's a dual threat, so he can certainly pass for the yards, and he can certainly run as well. So I'm looking forward to that. And Justin Herbert, we also know, also has the wheels also. Yeah. So, Abe, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Why don't you go ahead and give yourself a shout-out again, tell people where they can find you. Yeah, so uh, you can find me at, um, at AbeTheApe38. And uh, like I said, my alias is Fantasy Foucault. 
Um, I mean, I love talking about anything. Just, you know, give me a shout, follow me. I'll follow back. I love meeting new people. And um, uh, oh, one more thing. I am the guy who coined the phrase maged. Okay. So anytime that mage owns you <laughs> or makes a point that trumps yours, you've been maged. I want royalties on that. <laughs> you know what? Matter of fact, you, you can you can own it. You can copyright it. Um, I have brought you up in several conversations uh, regarding that too. I think I've even shared that a few times. So that's pretty awesome, man. Thank you for doing that, and I appreciate the support too, man. Just um, over the years, uh, staying connected the way you have, um, always supporting the fantasy content, the podcast. So I appreciate you as well, man, yeah. and uh, especially for putting uh, hashtag maged out there. So. <laughs> Heck yeah, guys. God bless. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Abe.